Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Renegade, Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Las Vegas. You ready? Ready? Let's go. Uh. Uh. I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to. Grind like that to shine like this In a matter of time I spent on some locked up shit In the back of the paddy wagon Cuffs locked on wrist See my dreams unfold Nightmares come true It was time to marry the game And I said yeah I do If you want it you gotta see it with a clear eye view Got shorty she try and bless me like I said I chew Like a nigga sneeze Nigga Let's please go. for the trick squeeze I'm getting cream <laughs> Never let them hoes get in Welcome, welcome this is Renegade Talk Las Vegas, and I'm your host, E.G. the Urban Scholar. Man, do we have a fun-filled show for you today, as usual. <laughs> you know how I do. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Well, today... I have another classic interview. As you notice, I've been trying to keep it pretty classical when it comes to this interview shit, and it's been going pretty well. So this next interview, I actually had took out a little time and did an interview with the ex-drug dealer who is pretty much trying to get out that life and change her life, and that's definitely what we're about. So let's just get into it. Enough said. All right, uh, well, yes, I know everybody has a story and we have one today, so let me hear a little bit about yourself and tell me basically where you're from and, you know, let me get a brief summary of who you are. Um, all right, so my name is Brittany and originally I was born in South Bend, okay. Indiana. Um, moved around a lot as a kid. Uh, as an adult, I've been living in Indianapolis for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically a little bit about myself is, uh, look real, real, real bad on paper. Um, as far as, you know, the court systems and shit like that, you know. Right. It's all about the justice system. I, Right, how they how they label me, and you know all that good shit. I mean, what for the people? Um, I mean, for the people that don't really know about your situation and your actual case, can you explain a little bit? I know you don't have to go into full detail, but I know it's still an open case, so you can't talk about it too much. But um, right, so basically, um, the only thing that I can dispose at this time uh, is just what I'm being charged with. Um, so, uh, basically, I'm being charged with a level four felony uh, in the okay. state of Indiana for possession of cocaine. Um, I'm also being charged with a level five felony possession of methamphetamine, level five felony possession of heroin, uh, level five felony possession of a handgun by a convicted felon. Uh, level six felony for possession of a synthetic, uh, which was spice, uh, for those of you that don't know, it is, uh, quote unquote, a synthetic marijuana. Right. Um, I also have a, uh, 
level non-misdemeanor for uh, possession of a controlled substance, uh, which is like called like in the pills. Or- so like when did kind of all this kind of take place? Was it the course of years, a span, or? Um, all right, so it was um, recently, like you said, this open case. So this right. just happened in April. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to jail. Uh, originally, I was charged with dealing. Um, so originally, I went in, and all of those charges I just named were level two felonies. Correct. Um, with the exception of the handgun, of course. So, so when this actually happened, I mean, did you have a boyfriend or that kind of got you in this type of uh, lifestyle or what made you get in this yeah. type of lifestyle? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have a, a you know, with the fiance, um, we haven't like officially, like we, there is no proposal, but like, you know, we had conversations or whatever and had agreed to you know, get married, not it, uh-huh. it or whatever. Um, so when all this shit happened, you know, he was with me or whatever. Um, so he really didn't get in no trouble. Um, everything was found, you know what I mean, in my possession or whatever. Yeah. Um, or so the police accused. Um, anyway, so he, you know, he, he, he worked. He hit the ground running as soon as they let him out. They like they instantly released him. Um, that night they uh, did what they call OR. For those of you who don't know, right. means they released you on your promise that you're going to come back to court right. on your court date. So he hit the ground running as soon as he got out. Um, I sat in jail for like a week. That was only because when I first went in, my bond was eighty thousand dollars. Mm, shit. Uh, so the court required them to pay ten percent of that, which would have been eight bands. Right. Uh, you 8, know, 000. to bomb me out. Uh-huh. So you know, I told them hold off. You know, let's wait for like a bond reduction or whatever. So when they finally um, took me to arraignment or whatever, the prosecutor, uh, the prosecutor didn't charged me with doing the prosecutor, charged me with possessions, which dropped my felonies instantly down to what I've just explained. Right. Um, with the exception of the possession of cocaine, um, originally when the prosecutor charged me, it was a level five felony. Um, about two weeks ago, they enhanced it to a level four felony, which doubled my mandatory uh, minimum, and it also doubled my uh, advisory sentence, which is normally the sentence that the judge starts at. Right. So like a first-time offender. With you sitting in the jail for that week, for those that never been to jail, especially being a woman, how was that it like, you know? Um, you don't have to go into detail, but what was it like? Um, I mean, you know... For me, it wasn't like that deep because I'm somebody that's like conditioned, you know, with this. Um, but like for real, for like people that have never been to jail, I mean, like it's not a pleasant experience at all. I bet. You know, the food is fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh, the lights, the lights never go out. 
completely. Right. Um, so if you're a person that can't sleep with the light on, right. sorry about your luck. I mean, with you being a white female and caught up in the justice system, how would you say that there are differences for you? I mean, would you consider you having some type of white privilege or would you say that that doesn't really exist when you talk about the justice system? Um, I mean, I, d I definitely believe that that exists for sure. Um, I believe that it pro I'm sure that they have, you know, spared me and given me lighter sentences because, you know, I'm this complexion. Right. Or whatever, whatever the case may be, but you know, you and I have talked about before, you know how I feel about that, correct? And uh, you know the fact that I'm I'm half Sicilian and and carry Moorish blood, and that's that's something that I you know try to stick true to, um, as far as you know the white privilege is concerned. Um, but you know at the same time, like. I ain't never been spared. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I've been fucked over by the system numerous times. Shit. I'm a four-time felon. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I come from nothing. Okay. From nothing. I come from, from a white trash mother, mm. uh, absent father. My father was deported when I was like eight months old. Damn. You know what I'm saying? abusive, negligent mom, uh, abusive, uh, boyfriend that she was with, you know what I'm saying? Like I come from, I come from nothing. And so, you know, I mean, my grandfather pretty much raised me and played, you know, multiple positions in my life. He played, he played mom, dad, granddad, right. granny, you know what I mean? He played all those positions in my life. Um, so, with you seeing these things growing up, when was it, I would say, in your teenage years, what kind of made you get off into this lifestyle if you kind of already seen certain things and certain issues that happened to you when you were young? I mean, it's really interesting. So, like I said, you know, my grandfather raised me. My grandfather didn't live in the greatest neighborhood in South Bend. You know what I mean? It was a... Um, I mean, it was a blended neighborhood or whatever, but, you know, my neighbors and, 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 and the person that I clicked with most um, was black. Uh, you know, her name was Deanna, and, you know, she was she was my best friend. And, you know, her family embraced me, and, mm -hmm. you know, her, her mom was like my mom, and, right. you know what I mean, all that. And, you know, I still, up until the point where my grandfather passed away, and, 2013, you know, I still went up there and every time I went up there, would go over there, check on her, see them, you know, get them updates, you know, uh -huh. let them meet my kids and, you know, all, all that. Um, right. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with my homegirl everywhere. So I'm in, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in some hoods and I mean, you know, she was, she was most, she was mostly a good girl. So she wasn't really too much getting in trouble but I was meeting different people. Right. You see what I'm saying? And so, you know, I just kind of started going with, you know, what I know or whatever, you know. And so me and her, you know, kind of drifted apart because we had gotten different things or whatever. And then I had moved back and forth a lot mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, 
between, you know, my grandfather and my aunt and uncle um, in a completely different part of the state. So, you know, but I had always gravitated, um, you know, more towards black communities, blended communities. Right. Um, and, you know, pretty much stayed away from the white community. They just, you know, I don't know, it just seemed like we was on two different uh playing fields as far as our mentalities and, you know, how we felt like life should be and, and you know, how the world should operate. Correct. Um, what about um, your relationships? What are, where did that actually maybe go as you got older so far as actual men in your life? So the first serious relationship I got into, I was, uh, I was like 17 years old. And um, I actually wound up marrying that man, uh, having three children with him. Um, oh, shit. Um, how, long, how long were you married? I was married for seven years. Mm, okay. Interesting. No, I take that back. I take that back and I take that back. I was not married for seven years. We were together for seven years. I was married from 2007 until 2012 legally. Um, how do you feel about actual marriage? I mean, you know, was it a good thing? I a bad feel thing? like. I feel like marriage, you know, should never be looked at as a bad thing. You know, love is love is a beautiful thing. If two people, you know, wish to express their love by making a lifetime com- commitment together, I mean, you know, how can you hate on it? Right. See what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it has its ups and it has its downs, and it's really about, you know, finding the correct person that is going to be loyal enough to stick around for all of that. Because True. I've always, I've always said that. It doesn't matter who you end up with, who you deal with, who you date, who you fuck, who you marry, who you love, none of that. You're going to go through hell with everybody of some type. You just have to figure out what person is worth going hell, going through hell for. Right. When you were married, did you maybe ever cheat or did he cheat on you or did that ever come about? Uh, Yeah, he definitely constantly, he he cheated on me uh, several times. I did not had to cheat on my husband. Um, there were points in time where we had broken up. I had kicked him out, stuff like that. We weren't together. Um, you know, I had seen other people or slept with other people. But as far as, like, you know, my husband being at home and me being out creeping around and, you know, going home acting like shit is normal, no. Right. I ain't never did no shit like that. I've, I've never been cut like that. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about your kids? I mean... How are your kids? Are they all right? Or how do they feel through all this situation that you're in? Or do they know? Or I mean, you know, like I said, you know, me and my ex-husband, we had, we had three children together, uh, three daughters. And uh, him and I were in the streets heavy. And uh, we actually wound up being indicted by the DEA back in 2008. Mm. Um, Shit. So we went to court. Um, the feds wound up going ahead and turning the case over to the state. Um, so we were only charged by the state, but we we both out. He was being charged with dealing with cocaine. I was being charged with conspiracy to deal cocaine. Um, so you know, he wound up taking a the plea. They had a lot. They had a lot of like photo and audio evidence to him and stuff like that. Damn. But um, I w- I went to trial because I knew they didn't have any type of evidence on me and right. my thing is this when it comes to a state case and conspiracy I'm always take my chances that you're going to be able to that you're not going to be able to convince 13 people that you knew exactly what the fuck was going on in my head 
Right. Because to be able to prove conspiracy, you have to be able to prove that I had knowledge of what the fuck was going on. Correct. When you were on the run, for most people that don't know, how long were you on the run dealing with these cases? And how was that like? Uh, so, so that case, I never went on the run for, um, I had caught another dope case in 2012, mm-hmm. yeah, in 2012, uh, with a, a different boyfriend um, that I had met here in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. um, and then I had went. I went to jail for that. I went down for like uh, I was in jail for sixty-seven days, and I wound up taking a plea agreement for uh, maintaining the house of a common nuisance. Damn. Um, so I wound up doing like eighteen months on probation. So I had fucked up my probation or whatever, and I uh, I had took off because I was about to get my backup time. So right. I took off and I ran and I went to Memphis or whatever and uh, I wound up getting popped by the uh, Memphis narcs down there just on some humbug shit. I pulled over at random type of shit. And they they ran my name and all that. I gave them a fake name. They told me, you know, if my picture and social didn't pop up on their little screen, they was taking me down to get fingerprints anyway. Right. So um, when they took me down um, to Shelby County uh, Jail, I found out that these motherfuckers in Indianapolis didn't just issue a probation violation warrant for me. These motherfuckers issued a federal U.S. Marshal's Fugitive from Justice warrant for my arrest. Oh, man, shit. And they had me, they had me on America's Most Wanted like I was a fucking queen pin. Like I was out in this motherfucker <laughs> moving bricks. That's like what I'm I was saying. moving bricks. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And and like like they caught me. It was like it was like they popped me and I bonded out in a hot bond. Like, man, that's not even how the fuck shit went down and I wasn't out here do I wasn't out here doing shit. You know right. what I'm saying? I ain't I I'm not about to stunt. I ain't never seen a motherfucking brick. Right. Ever okay. in my life. I ain't never seen a key. Understand well, I already touched one. Right. Understand. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you a couple of them passed through these hands. Right. But I ain't never seen one. I ain't never did it like that. Right. So I ain't never. I ain't never been on that type of status. Understand. So so far as everything that you told me, I mean, how much money would you say that you maybe accumulated during all this bullshit and all this time? I mean, me and my ex husband made a lot of money. Um, I can tell you, at one point in time, I remember counting out. Uh, I think the most money I counted out at one point in time that we had on hand was $37,385 okay. that we had cash on hand. Mm. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. So as of right now, if you can say anything to actually clear your name and, you know, what is some advice that you actually have for the youth coming up and that are going to listen to this shit and, Really uh, for the youth coming up, I uh, yeah definitely. Hey, 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 don't shit come out of this dope game, but a sale or a cost, and that's real. I can't. All these rappers and shit that you that you see that they made it out the struggle, they made it out the struggle because they have a talent. Had they continued to have having to sell dope and all that shit, they right. gonna end up just like everybody else, dead right. or in jail. Right. Dead or in jail. Period. That's all that's gonna come of this shit. That's it, man. The dope game is not where it's at at all. So, y'all youth out here, y'all have a chance and opportunity to change the world. 
these children are being raised by woke parents. These children are being raised by very politically conscious parents. Of course. You see what I'm saying? So they have a they have a very great opportunity to come out here and change the world. And while Donald Trump over here talking about this make America great again bullshit, these motherfucking children have a chance to really make America great for the first time in history because this motherfucker ain't never been great for everybody. True. This motherfucker has always been this motherfucker has always been stacked against minorities. Whether it's whether whether it's any kind of minority, if you wasn't white Anglo Saxon Protestant with the motherfucking KKK, they didn't give a fuck about you. Italians been persecuted here, Jews been persecuted, the blacks definitely been persecuted, the, mm -hmm. the Mexicans, you know what I'm saying? The Asians, right. all of them, all of them. Anybody that don't look like these motherfuckers that look like Donald Trump, they ain't fucking with. Them. Uh, yes, I would say yes and no. But the thing that I can say, Trump has provided jobs, and the unemployment rate has plummeted, and. I mean, that's about all I can really say about Trump so far as, you know, and so far as the business side, very great. But that's a whole different topic in itself, you know. <laughs> what do you see yourself in the next 10 years? So the first thing first is I got to get this case that I got open over with. Um, I just went to court on Tuesday. I had an active warrant. <laughs> because when my dude came and bonded me out on this dope case I caught in April, uh, we wound up getting pulled over by the police again. Found out he had a warrant, and so we ran from the police. <laughs> and they, they caught us, and they had fucked up and let me out, and they wasn't supposed to. They were supposed to hold me on a bond. Man. And so when they figured out they was fucked up and let me out, they issued a warrant for my arrest. So for like the last two months, I've been out here with a warrant ducking the police and I didn't have to run from IMPD like three different times because they caught me in the hood. Man. They seen me in the hood and, and, and bust that U-turn. <laughs> That's crazy as fuck. Man. So, I mean, this has very been very interesting and I appreciate you for taking your time out. You know, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Anytime you need it. Oh, yeah. Man, what an interview. <laughs> classic well you know how i do it's been another one until we meet again my name is eg the urban scholar this is renegade talk las vegas you're talking about killers but you ain't no killer pull up on you it's game time nigga front line you make headline niggas say my name get it right whip it right private flights every night she keep it tight choppers all of that red light Earth stirs about a nigga. Keep it real with yourself. Hating on a real nigga. Really bad for your health. Mama left. Stop shock radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade. Talk radio.